Live from Frogville Studios in Santa Fe, New Mexico, this is the Live Dima Podcast, the source for all people to get the resources necessary to love their lymphatic bodies. So my name is Melly LaChapelle, the host of this podcast, and joining us today is Dina Benjamin and Stephanie West, co-founders of Lymphedema and Lipedema New Mexico. It's so great to have you all here. Thank you so much, uh, Melanie. Thank you. We're happy to be here. We're excited for our very first podcast with you. The first one the, ever. The first it's going to be amazing. Mm, yes. Like, Thank you. Yeah, we were talking earlier, and really what this is, is this podcast is really the space for everyone in the world to get knowledge about lipedema and lymphedema and to really be empowered to love their lymphatic bodies. And just in my own, you know, experience with like just discovering all of this, like Dina, thank you so much for being the source of, you know, all of New Mexico and beyond learning about these conditions and really a allowing us to be empowered through it so thank you thank you it certainly is a passion of mine and I just feel blessed that all you ladies here with me today have also found the passion for helping others out and sharing sharing whatever you can about this to help other people yeah absolutely and thank you and um, later on today in the podcast too we're going to be joined by Julie she is our first guest ever on our first ever podcast and we're really excited to have her here with us today and just with what just for everybody to be able to share their stories. So let's get going. So um, with, uh, so tell me, Lymphedema and Lipidema New Mexico, what's that, what's that about? Well, it is a group that my friend Stephanie and I started together. Um, we started just with the goal of, of kind of having a website, maybe some blogs, some newsletters. We really wanted access to resources and treatment Um, not only for those that live in New Mexico, but for those who might be visiting Santa Fe or anywhere in New Mexico. Yes, all in one spot. So it's not just scattered information, but here specifically for New Mexico. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. It started that way and it it grew very quickly into holding a conference within just a few months um, with kind of the experts in our area with everything to do with lymphedema. We called it the Everything Lymphedema Conference. And um, we had wonderful speakers about compression, lymphedema basics. Um, we had a, a speaker about the lymphatic pumps. Uh, Exercise, we had, nutrition. Yes, yoga. Um, we did have one on wound care and then also on the very exciting upcoming lymphatic surgeries. Mm-hmm. And it was a great day. We were sold out. We were quickly. sold out waiting lists to come in. Yeah, and the whole day was a success. And um, the other two ladies here with us today were at, also at that conference, and that's kind of what grew our bond. And it's been great not only for the patients, but healthcare providers and family, um, those that are affected, and it's kind of been a, a great networking source so far. And the resources are still coming in as people discover that it, it's a place that they can contribute to. Mm. Yes. Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing that. And it's so exciting to learn about the Everything Lymphedema Conference and just really, do you have another one planned coming up or was that the first of its kind? Like what does the future of that look like? Thank you. We want to make it a tradition to have it every year in the fall. This year it's August 12th. That's a Saturday. It's October 12th. Sorry, thank you. Thank goodness, because we're not quite ready. But you know, we do need a little bit you know, more sponsorship. Um, But it is coming up October 12th. Oh, and it's so exciting because we learned so much the first conference and that we've got a bigger space. Of course, we've doubled the size and we're doing some new things that we didn't do last year. Yes, this year we are having a fashion show, which is very exciting. Um, So people can see how to live a lifestyle with this condition. 
Yes, mm-hmm. yes. We also have a, a wonderful keynote speaker who will be attending this year. I would say the top lipedema doctor in the world, um, Dr. Karen Herbst, will be our keynote speaker today or this year. Mm. So we're incredibly excited about that. Um, and the topics will vary a little bit from last year and, and any of the latest, newest devices, garments, uh, research, uh, surgical advances, all of that will be presented as well. Mm. And we'll still have all the vendor tables. We're still going to provide lunch. Yeah. And and for people just to meet and and have build that community of meeting other people that share their condition, that they can have a conversation with, feel, touch things, ask questions. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Great. Thank you for letting us know about that. So, uh, what's your background, Dina? Like, and Stephanie, both of you two. Like, what what is your background? How'd you get into this? You know, just tell us more about that. Sure. I'll start. Um, I am a physical therapist. And a couple years into my career, my um, soon-to-be mentor asked me just to cover a patient for her over the weekend if she was going to be out of town. And I said, sure, I can do that. And she showed me what to do. And so I did it. And she got really big eyes and looked at me and said, oh, wow, you're a natural. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then she asked, would you like to learn how to do lymphedema treatment? And I, my answer was, sure, what is it? I really had no understanding of any lymphatic conditions. It's not something they taught us in school. Um, Throughout my seven, eight years of college, I had maybe a half hour on the lymphatic system. And sadly, most physicians to this day have less than an hour in all of their training. So I I really didn't know what I was getting into, but what what I really liked right away is that I saw results in each session, was able to help patients with pain. Uh, They were able to improve their mobility. One of the stories I tell a lot was one of my first patients came to me after a few weeks and said, I can get my own leg into bed. I don't have to get my son to help me anymore. Mm. Um, There was another patient I had early on that wanted to wear dresses to church. And she had this one leg she kind of had to drag behind her and she always had to get a wheelchair and by the end of it she could walk and she could put her pantyhose on and, and wear her dress to church. So those things really drew me to continue to learn because I I really felt like I was making a difference for people Mm. so um, I was blessed to have that mentor I stayed with her for almost nine years in Nebraska before coming here to Santa Fe and starting up kind of my own lymphatic um, therapy program uh, here in Santa Fe and mentoring many others I think I've mentored six therapists since I've been here in the last seven and a half years Mm. so yeah fantastic thank you Stephanie oh thank you Um, I was in physical therapy at Dina's clinic where she um, directs there and um, there was a traveling nurse who volunteers in Africa where there are people that suffer with this condition she said I'm not sure if you have something I'm I just want to see that I have an expert that's coming in Dina at the time was uh, directing a hospital um, in the state of New Mexico so when she got back she looked at my legs and said uh, yes I need to tell you that you have this condition. Let's have a conversation about it. So it was a big eye opener to find out that I have both lipedema and lymphedema. And um, I've been able to contribute in the sense that in my career is in marketing. Uh, so I've been a developer and integrator of web development for 25 years. So I thought, oh, let's get that going so that we can have a platform to bounce off of and help get the information out there. And I have to just add, she's wonderful at what she does. Check out our website, <laughs> lymphedema NM, lymphedema New Mexico.com. Uh, she does amazing work. All her flyers, her, her logos, 
Um, oh, thank you. Yes, her slogans. And yeah, we have a few good. other domain names in case people don't get the name right. It's such a long name. So we've We've purchased some others so that we can help drag and pull people from all over mm. the world to this location. Fantastic. And at the end of the episode, we'll include a link to, like, say, visit the website here. Um, if there's an abridged version of the website, like the shortest one, we could direct people there because it'll redirect to the main page. Is that what it no, looks like? No, we don't have an uh-huh. acronym yet. Okay. LLN. L and L and M, a mouthful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, fantastic. So we're talking. So with lymphedema and lymphedema New Mexico, like, what's what would you say is your core mission? Like, what is what is it that you are out to create in the world of lymphatics? I want to say right away, hope. It once you're diagnosed, it can be very devastating in, on so many levels financially, physically, emotionally. And I think that was one of the driving forces was to give people hope and a way to have some type of resource, some education that they didn't always have to go out and find themselves. Yeah, I agree with that. That's definitely the, the key point. Um, if, if I had to say another point, we really want to get into screening. Um, lipide- lipedema itself starts to affect young girls around puberty. And they often just think they're heavy. You know, they may see it in their family members. They don't realize it's a lymphatic condition. So along with that often becomes some emotional issues, some shame, guilt, sometimes unhealthy exercise habits or diet habits, eating disorders, depression. So if we can catch these girls sooner and get them the proper treatment, we can eliminate a lot of those secondary factors that are happening to them. Mm-hmm. So that, that to me is very key too. Mm-hmm. Um, most of them try diet and exercise and it doesn't make a difference. What they don't realize is they also need the manual lymphatic drainage, the compression, um, to, to watch the precautions that we teach people, the risk reduction practices. So if we can get in and eliminate them, instead of me seeing them when they're in their 50s or 60s and they've lost mobility, they've lost strength, they, they may have wounds, um, all these kind of things that come up. Or, with, and with the condition's delayed. much worse. It's progressed. Much worse, yes. So it can't be reversed yeah. And along with that screening would be educating the healthcare providers. Um, I get orders all the time that say obesity. Mm-hmm. Well, I've never been able to shrink fat in my life. And if I could, I would probably be very wealthy. Um, <laughs> so getting those healthcare providers to see the difference between edema and adipose tissue. Adipose tissue is symmetrical. It's soft. We all know that. You can feel my tummy. No, um, <laughs> um, but swelling is often asymmetrical and it gets hard. Um, and it's in places that don't make sense, like around your ankles. So, you know, if, if healthcare providers could just learn some of these few key things, they could help their patients a lot faster. I certainly thought I had fat when my legs were like a balloon, like they were just taunt and hard. I thought that was fat. Mm-hmm. So I myself could not, did not understand what was going on with my body. Right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. I had a similar experience too of just, and um, I got diagnosed with lipedema and the experience of just like hard legs and really not knowing the distinction between what are, what ankles are supposed to look like and what, you know, cause you just have them, they're down there. You look down at them and you're like, okay. And it's not until I look at a picture where I'm in a group of people, we went for a run and I see, I've just got these column legs and everybody has this clear definition and it's like, wow, okay, there's something different happening here. So it was just really empowering to know that it's what it is and how to treat it. Yeah. So, And you know, yeah. um, 
worldwide obesity certainly certainly is an issue in its own right um, but you can see a very obese person have bony thin ankles and that's that's the difference um, lipedema usually starts at the belly button and goes to the ankle and you'll see these thick legs and again if healthcare providers could be aware of that difference and help people get to a treatment facility yeah absolutely yeah fantastic so what is the difference? So we've been talking lipolymphedema, lipedema, like what is, what are these and what are the distinctions of all of them? All right, well, I'll take over this one here. <laughs> lymphedema, most people know about lymphedema. Um, lymphedema is often related to cancer treatment. It's a condition where you either have your lymph nodes removed or they're damaged, could be by radiation, could be a burn, could be a crush injury, could be a, any type of surgery. And those lymph nodes are no longer there or they're deficient and so they can't drain that quadrant of your body. So the fluid builds up. So these, this is common in breast cancer. If you've got lymph nodes removed from breast cancer, then that arm will swell. Um, lymphedema itself is usually not painful. It's pretty easy to treat. Um, it moves pretty quickly. Um, people can get wounds, though, and skin changes and lack of mobility, lack of strength, all of those type of things. And although a lot of people think lymphedema is rare, as LEARN will tell you, the Lymph Lymphedema Education and Research Network, uh, they will tell you that lymphedema affects more people than MS, multiple, um, multiple sclerosis, muscular dystrophy, ALS, or Lou Gehrig's, Parkinson's, and AIDS combined. Combined. And this is another reason why we're here. Everyone knows of all of those conditions. They have, you know, lots of supports and charities and events that happen to support people with those. Yet all of those combined, um, that's how many people are affected with lymphedema. So we're here to promote that group of people that need the support and need more money put into research and education. Right now there's only one clinician per 1,000 people is what we're estimating. Correct. So to be seen or diagnosed, it's, it's a very challenging aspect of this condition. Yes, yes. And not to get too heavy here yes. on the, the <laughs> medical side of things, um, but I do think it's important to differentiate between lymphedema, which I just discussed, and lipedema. It's L-I-P, edema. That stands for fat, so it's swelling of the fat cells, of the adipose tissue. It um, gets enlarged and then it also causes some vascular issues. The cells often get fibrosis around them, so they get hard, they get painful. A lot of patients will have a fibromyalgia diagnosis attached to them because of the pain in their legs. Um, it is one in 11 women. Hmm. That's, that's uh, so high. That's so high. That, I mean, we all know somebody with lipedema. We just may not know that's what it is. Um, it, it, they do think it's genetic, although they haven't found the link yet. Um, but mm -hmm. it is only in females. Usually starts around puberty or after pregnancy, so there's likely a hormonal component also. A trigger. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are different types. Um, type one involves just kind of the buttocks and hip. Type two goes down to the knee, mostly the thighs. I see a lot of that here in northern New Mexico. And type three, the most common, goes down to the ankle. There's kind of a shelf or a ring at the ankle. There's a horrible word we all learned in high school um, that I hate to even say, um, but people would say, "Oh, she has cankles." Mm -hmm. No, mm -hmm. she had lipedema, and it was very insensitive to, to use that term. Um, but that's, that's the most common type, is that type 3. There is a type 4 that involves just the calf, so knee to ankle, and that's pretty unusual too. And then there is sometimes involvement of the arms, and that's a type 5. 
Um, along with lipedema, usually there's hypermobility, so the joints will hyperextend, which leads to arthritis and usually a joint replacement. And people who go through those do not handle the swelling well. A lot of times that's when I end up seeing them. They also will have varicosities, like varicose veins, or hemangiomas, where the arteries will get knotted up around each other. Very often also lipomas, which are just kind of balls of fat tissue, and those can be painful and impede things too. Um, yeah, and the, the pain factor is one of the biggest ones. So it takes a lot longer to treat the lipedema because that fluid is trapped in each adipose cell instead of just kind of this river between layers, and it's painful. So it's hard for them to wear compression right away. It's hard for them to tolerate the manual lymphatic drainage right away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And isn't there like, so what other, like, along with pain, is there any bruising or just kind of what, like when you say like pain, like what is, what is the pain? Pain is tenderness to the touch generally and very easy bruising. Most people with lipedema bruise, they don't even know what happened. Um, one of my analogies is it's like your cells are all wearing sumo wrestler suits and they're <laughs> packed in a room and the veins are trying to get through, but they can't make their way. So they make little offshoots, they regenerate, they're really just trying to provide good vascular flow and nutrition and picking up waste to your body, but the leg is so packed full of all these toxins that the blood vessels have a hard time getting through. Mm -hmm. And then I think it would be important to mention too that there is a progression of lipedema. It can turn into lymphedema. That's when the feet start to swell and one leg gets bigger than the other. That's then called lipolymphedema or lipolymphedema. So usually then the top of the foot will, will get swollen. Um, there'll be asymmetry between the two and much, uh, uh, a much faster increase in fluid accumulation. Mm. Yeah, got it. So how, does, so how is it that one finds out about these conditions? Like what is the, you know, if you do happen to get someone who knows how to diagnose it, how is it diagnosed? It's usually diagnosed um, both visually and by palpation. And then knowing the system, so knowing the difference between, say, swelling from an organ failure, like congestive heart failure or renal or kidney failure, that's usually symmetrical. It has a different appearance to it, um, and it's associated with you know, poor lab values. Um, there, you also have to differentiate, like, say, a blood clot, which may be just in one side, would come on very fast, would be painful, maybe red. Um, you also have to look at the vascular system, the veins. Do they have venous insufficiency? So usually getting an ultrasound to rule that out. <clears throat> um, there are some key differences. Lymphedema does not improve with elevation because it's not valve related. Venous insufficiency does improve with elevation. So people are usually better in the morning if they have that type of swelling. Um, that's pretty easy to diagnose with an ultrasound. Unfortunately, other than the physical and visual exam by someone like myself, a certified lymphedema therapist, the only real true way to get a, a diagnosis of lymphedema or lipedema is to get a lymphangiocentigraphy. And that's where they inject dye in between your toes or in between um, your fingers. And they watch how the lymph system either picks up or doesn't pick up that dye. And then they can see where the blockages are, um, where the failure of the lymphatic system is. Generally, I say that's not really needed because the treatment's the same. So regardless of where that blockage is, what I'm gonna do is the same to reroute that fluid. I mean, now that I've been diagnosed, I can pick up the signs that I had a while back, either the skin being like a tight bloom or the opposite, looking like there is um, cellulite on the front of the leg, so lumpiness. Yes. Um, 
being able to cross my legs sometimes, but not the others due to swelling. And of course, every evening, just just pain, pain, pain in the legs, as if you've been had run a marathon. Yes. Mm. One of the other things I say a lot is, you know, we can all tell when our rings are tight. Maybe we had too mm-hmm. much salt the day before. So even if it's not measurable, people can feel when they're swelling and we need to listen to their subjective reports. And, you know, healthcare providers, physicians need to listen to that too. Because the earlier we can get help to somebody, um, the, the less side effects they're going to have. It really runs deep since I've hired so many personal trainers and I've hired nutritionists in my past so that I could get the same results my friends were getting and still did not. Um, (laughs) The common recommendation was that I continued to diet and lose weight while all this time it was really lymphedema and swelling due to my lymphatic system, not because of how or what I ate or how much I ate. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. My experience too is like, just like knowing it, like you can feel it, like I'm sitting here right now and I'm achy, you know, and like the experience of like, oh, you bumped into a coffee table or the dog jumps up on you is excruciating. It's like, this isn't stuff that would like, it's like you bump your arm on a table. You're like, okay, that's fine. And then, whereas if you have it in your lower extremity, it's like you bump into a door, you bump into a wall, the dog jumps up on you. It's like, I need to like not scream right now. It is just so painful. And it's it's something really listen to your body. If you're experiencing something like that, get in contact with your doctor. Just let them, just always be in communication with your provider to say, this is what's going on with me. Because something so extreme like that is, it's just, there's something else going on. Yeah. 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 And I, I want to make a note too. You guys have mentioned, you know, feeling like you're on a marathon, those type of things. The thing that's causing the pain in lipedema is lactic acid buildup. If you look at lactic acid on a microscope, it's very sharp and pokey and like shards of glass in your muscles, in your skin. In, in most people, 90% of women, their lymphatic system drains that out every day, takes care of it, eliminates it, processes it through the organs and you, you know, goes out through the urine. In somebody with a lymphatic problem, it just sits there and it accumulates every day. Thank you for mentioning that because after you diagnosed me, I thought, oh, I'm gonna fix this. And I went off and I spent a whole lot of money. And one thing I, I had done rather every six months was a blood test. And my lactic acid was super high. And that's it, a sign. It'd be interesting now that you've had some successful treatment and, and lost you know, many liters of fluid, what that test would look like it, now. Yes, it would. Yeah. Thank you. Well, we'll follow up on that on a future podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> Looking forward to it. <laughs> okay. So with this, I know that there were some common myths discussed earlier as far as, you know, is it obesity? Is it, you know, just kind of what is kind of the salient like myths of just what what's kind of assumed of these conditions. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, as we mentioned, I think the biggest one is that it's obesity, that it's fat. Um, And unfortunately, a lot of physicians don't touch their patients. So they don't get that tactile input to see that this is not fat. This is hard. This feels like a water balloon. Um, Or even the asymmetry. Uh, Lipedema affects up to the belly button. So does lymphedema, whether it's in one leg or or both legs. If one side of your stomach is bigger than the other, that's swelling. 
We don't get fatter on half of our tummy. That's just not how our bodies work. So to just look at that and look at those asymmetries would be huge. And then to just touch, um, to feel that tissue. And not just look at the ankles. Because I have a lot of physicians too who will pull up the pant leg and glance at the ankles and say, oh, you're fine. Um, Some of these patients I have with type 2 lip edema literally have liters and liters hanging off of their thighs. It's hard, it's gravity dependent, and it is a big bag of water. Um, If they would just look at that or touch that, that would really And I think if if your physician doesn't pick up on that and suggests that you exercise more and diet more or have a better health lifestyle, that you continue to look for some other resources that can bring you some answers. The way you know that you're successful with those answers is that you'll get, be get results. Yes, I agree. And you know, it, even just insisting that you can get to a lymphatic specialist, then you'll be properly diagnosed and then you can go back and show your healthcare provider what changes were made. And that's what makes a big difference too. And then they'll hopefully send the next person who has similar complaints or symptoms. Thank you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Great. And along that then, so like you go to a sort of you go to a lymphatic therapist, like what treatments work, what doesn't work, and just really in the space of educating people, like what is what's your experience with it? Like knowing what does and doesn't work. Sure. Um, the gold standard for treating lymphatic conditions is called CDT complete decongestive therapy. So they usually say it's four parts. It's manual lymphatic drainage, it's compression, it's exercise, and then skin care and education. So most of those, we all know what they are. Um, The piece people usually don't know is the manual lymphatic drainage. That's a hands-on technique. A lot of people call it a massage, though it's not really a massage. Massage implies pressure. With manual lymphatic drainage, it's a skin stretching technique, so it's a gentle lateral tug on the skin. That opens up all the little pre-collectors for the lymphatic system in the skin. They open up and they can drain that fluid further down. The important part is that we reroute this fluid. Lymphatic system's broken into four quadrants and head and neck is separate. So if you're swollen in one arm, we're gonna reroute that fluid from that damaged armpit or axillary lymph nodes over to the other side, the healthy armpit on the other side, and down to the adjacent leg, to the inguinal lymph nodes or the the lymph nodes in the groin. So we actually are moving that fluid from the blocked area to two healthy areas that can process it. It's a very gentle technique. Um, it, It feels good. It puts you on your relaxed mode, your parasympathetic nervous system. Um, for people with lip edema, it can be a little painful at first, um, but once we start moving that stuff out, it feels a lot better. Um, and sometimes you have to shop for the right lymphatic massage therapist. I did go through five who um, said or mentioned that they were qualified, and no, they were not, or they at once were and have forgotten or didn't continue to educate themselves. So sometimes that's also a journey. Hmm. You know, a good point to bring up would be just because you're certified, because you have CLT behind your name, doesn't mean you're good, for one. Mm -hmm. And a a big part of that is because you take a 10-day course, you work with other healthcare professionals, you're not really working on people with this condition. It's a class. I had that, that, you know, wonderful gift of having a mentor who had done this for like 20 to 30 years before me. That's where I learned. I learned in the clinic. I learned with her guidance. Um, Anything strange that came through, she had seen before. 
Um, that's what really, I believe, made me good. In addition to that, in your certification courses, they don't teach you really anything about lipedema. So that's something we're really lacking in the whole world, um, not just the US. But the, there isn't a training course specifically for lipedema. And what I have found through my years of doing this and over a decade of, of treating this, kind of by trial and error, I always say the proof is in the pudding, um, <laughs> for lipedema, when it's a very hard, firm condition, you have to get more aggressive with your skin stretching. That doesn't mean I'm pushing down on people or massaging them, but I am tugging to actually get a stretch on that skin and open those collectors. Um, in addition to that, using other tools like ultrasound and um, kind of scraping tools, cupping, kinesio tape, um, on any of those fibrotic painful areas so I can get them loosened up and get fluid moving through there. Um, the other thing would be I don't follow a chart. Each person's body is different and I'm gonna focus on what their needs are and clear out the areas that need to be cleared out first. So, yeah. Absolutely. Fantastic. So if anybody needs yeah. a job and would like a mentor, seek me out, because I could use some help. And this <laughs> is such a great field. There's so much opportunity here for those that are interested to really prosper, since the need is so high. Yes. And what would you need to do to be a certified lymphatic therapist? Like, what kind of background do you need in order sure. to do that? Um, generally, it's occupational therapists or physical therapists. It can also be a nurse or a nurse practitioner. Um, those types of professionals are going to get insurance coverage for the treatment. You can also be a massage therapist, but that's generally going to be private pay. Although some insurance companies do give you massage therapy benefits. Mm -hmm. um, the only difference would be the massage therapist wouldn't have the anatomy or exercise background or likely wound care, may not do the, the wrapping or the compression, but they can do the manual lymphatic drainage and, and are, can be very successful at it. Here in the state or here in the city of Santa Fe, I do know somebody who's um, all state employees are qualified for, I want to say 62 massages of any kind of massage That's great. as part of their benefit program if you work for the state. Yeah. If you work for the major hospital in town, you also get some benefits, I know. So, mm. yeah. Wow, cool. So, with so much in the world of clinical and self care, like, why is it so important to know all of this? Well, if we talked on a, a very serious level, people with lymphatic conditions are prone to infection. They can get cellulitis. If that's not treated, that turns into sepsis and can be fatal. So, I mean, that's, that's the most serious cause. Um, but beyond that, the lack of mobility. It's like if you tried to make a balloon animal, but you filled up the balloon too far, you can't even twist it. That's how the ankles get. That's how the knees get. They lose mobility. They also lose muscle strength because there's a buffer in that electrical cir circuit. Um, then there's the, the risk of wounds or weeping, weeping fluid out of the pores. Um, deformities, the skin gets hard, fibrotic, turns red. Um, the people get hyperkeratosis where skin cells just build up. They'll often stop growing hair. And this is all because the, the nutri nutrition from the arteries can no longer get to the skin and make healthy skin. So, you know, there's a lot of just physical and medical issues that arise the longer that this goes on untreated. There is also the emotional factors we brought up. The emotional factors are huge in the sense that you make a promise and commitment to yourself to improve your health you invest in whatever choice you're going to make in terms of nutrition or exercise, and then to not get the results that you've set out in such a diligent way, it's, it's really emotionally damaging. You start to lose hope 
And because you're not getting the same results as, say, other people around you, it can be very depressing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So in the world of supporting those who have, have these conditions, what can friends and family do to support to support their loved ones. I think I'd like to send this question to Stephanie, too. Thank you. I was out uh, for an evening a couple of weeks ago, and um, some of the people that I was with, there was this one person in particular who, who felt that they could solve my problem. They didn't have my problem, but they felt they could solve my problem with all of their different suggestions. Have I tried this? Have I tried that? Have I tried... Versus just saying to me, if they wanted to know, what all have you done? Actually, I think I mentioned in a broad stroke way that I've done all of these things. Um, So it's about educating the family or the friends on how best to support you. Um, If you check out LEARN, again, Lymphedema Education and Research Network, they made some great handouts. One of them is things I want my physician to know about my condition. Um, the top 10 things I want my friends and family to know about my condition. And they can be good starting points, good talking points. And you can even just take them into your appointments and hand them to your physician, which I believe Stephanie has I done. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I read through the frequently asked questions and what to tell your physician. She, luckily, um, my physician was interested in hearing them, which was nice. It is nice, yes. Mm. That's great. It is important, too, to go in... Um, I hadn't mentioned this. I had appendicitis recently, and they asked, you know, do you have any conditions going on? And I'm like, I have lipedema. So just in case, because of that belly button component, I'm like, you guys know who to call should something happen. So I'm not sure if that's relevant or not, but it's really, yeah. That's absolutely relevant. Any surgery that you have in the affected quadrant is gonna cause an exasperation of your swelling, like it would in anyone. Um, but if you have that lymphatic condition, you cannot process that surgical swelling like most people could, or swelling from an injury. You know, a broken arm or a sprained mus- um, joint or strained muscle, they're gonna be a lot harder to heal from. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So it's important too, if you know you're gonna have a surgery, that you talk to your lymphedema therapist prior to the surgery. Yeah. Great. So what support and or resources are available to people? Where do you go? We have our website, which is, I think we can use, can search it by Everything Lymphedema Conference. You can also find it with Lymphedema New Mexico or Lipedema New Mexico. Um, We've had somebody find us who lives in Italy, which is very, very exciting. Um, And we have the conference coming up, which you will be able to, if you're able to come, get all of these resources in one place. Yes, we do also have a Facebook page and an Instagram account, so you can follow us there. Um, On the webpage is also ways to sign up for our newsletters, so you can get all of our information, and we do have our personal contact on there uh, as well, with cell phones and email, so if you you really are need need, help or resources reached out sorry reach out to us and uh, thank you yes <laughs> we'll be happy to help so with lipedema and lipedema new mexico what is your mission and goal going forward thank you melanie we're hoping to build more community as we go forward resources included education and bring inspiration and innovation into this arena it's so desperately needed Yes, and I know Stephanie really is, is looking for a cure. She wants to see a cure come out of this and more, more money and resources put out into the research. Yeah. yeah, 
Absolutely. And so how is all of this possible? Your Everything Lymphedema Conference is happening in October. You had one last year. What makes all of this possible? Well, mostly Stephanie and myself volunteering all of our time. Um, when we're not at our full-time jobs. <laughs> yes, that's right. Or taking care of our, our child, both of us. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Stephanie has donated all of her resources into the, the webpage and the, the flyers and all of that. And um, me as well with just organizing and, and putting out information. Um, but we couldn't do any of this without our sponsors. We have great sponsors that helped us pull off that event last year, and we were able to do it for free. And, you know, um, give the free lunch and raffle prizes and all kinds of great things. So really, without those sponsors, none of this would be possible. We wouldn't have um, the financial means to promote this event and to just get the supplies and the space. Um, so, you know, we do, do, we do need more sponsorship going forward. So anybody who's interested and is able to help, you know, you'd be making a big difference. Fantastic. Thank you both so much for being here with Thank us today. Yes. And just for your just your generosity and just sharing all of this so that everybody can have access to this. This is so rich and so f- just just so full of knowledge and compassion and just so thank you both so much for really making this available to people thank you we appreciate it thank you we're back from our break joining julie she has generously donated her time today to be here with us to share her story um julie it's so great to have you here um really just like you know want to highlight you as our guest you're the first guest on our live dima podcast and really just thank you so much for being here so tell us a little bit about you like you know who are you who's julie hi my name is julie and i'm currently at the age of 28 when i did have my second child Um, She was delivered by emergency C-section in a hospital in Albuquerque. And um, immediately after I had her, um, my foot started to swell. And the doctors could not find out why my foot started to swell. My ankle started to swell. They thought possible blood clot was testing me for a possible blood clot. And before I knew it, it started going to my calf, and then I started getting it through my trunk area. Mm. Got it. So you're a mom. Um, You have kiddos here. Do you? Are you here in Santa Fe as well? Yes, I am here in Santa Fe. Okay, cool. So what are what are some of your hobbies? What's your work like? What's your family? Just like just what what is your world outside of? living with the condition so currently i work for the state of new mexico been there 17 years um my hobby is to bake cakes um that is something that calms me um whenever i am having a real stressful day um not only that i do have the support at my work um my uh, co-workers know my condition and they're always willing to help other than that, when I go out in public, it is very hard. You know, I have the public looking at me. I have, you know, um, kids asking me what's wrong with my leg. Why is one bigger than the other? Um, it's very hard. And I let them know what my condition is. Um, it's hard not wearing high heels 
before I had my daughter. I was a fan of High Heels. Now I'm a fan of Skechers. <laughs> and um, also wearing skirts, um, finding the right type of clothing to wear, making sure it's not too tight, not being able to swim in a swimsuit. It's very hard. I'm usually swimming in leggings and a shirt. Mm. You know, trying to change um, diapers, can't sit on a floor, can't play with kids. So my life, I have to work around it and try things to try to make myself feel better about myself. My husband supports me. My children support me. Mm. That's so great. I'm glad you have that support network around you. Like really people who, you know, you work with and you live with that are really there to support you in dealing with this. It's really great. So you said, so when did you first start having swelling in your leg? After I had my daughter, the C-section, um, this was back in 2007. Um, I actually had saw another doctor, um, my current doctor actually referred me to a vein specialist. The vein specialist then um, tried all kinds of looking to see if I had a blood clot, making sure I didn't have anything going on with my veins. Um, after I saw that doctor, he suggested possibility of me seeing a doctor in Mississippi um, to try to figure out what was going on wrong with my leg. And after that happened, he spoke actually with him. And the doctor actually had um, suggested a test to be done. When they did the test at the hospital in Albuquerque, they did find out that it was the lymphedema. Mm. Um, but that was five years ago. You know, um, I, had, I wasn't diagnosed till five years after I had had my daughter. So all this trying to figure out what was going on with my leg, no one had a clue. And after um, I was diagnosed with the lymphedema, they had um, mentioned for me to go see back my doctor. We started doing research and then I was able to find the most awesome therapist for my therapy for my lymphedema, which is Dina. She's the best that anybody would want to have um yeah that's so great and I'm glad that you too you were able to find a therapist who really is able to help you manage your condition so you're essentially 10 years in living with lymphedema and just what was your experience like that five years of you know not really knowing what it is that back and forth to the five years you know, now really knowing what's happening. I really wish I would have known back then. So that way I could have um, sought treatment right away. Um, but as far as me knowing my current condition right now, I am just hoping that there are others out there that have the lymphedema or the lipedema that they can get the help and treatment that they need. Mm. Great. And so... What is your life, what was your life like? I guess we covered that, we'll cut that up. Okay, so which hurdles, so in living with, with lymphedema, like what hurdles did you personally face and how did you overcome them? 
So basically, um, like I have said previously, um, fitting into clothes. Um, I have found a department store that they have the stretchy pants, which are dress pants still, but um, they're, they're stretchy enough to fit my leg in, whether I'm wrapped um, wearing a compression garment. Um, that's my most challenging. Um, the other things are as far as um, changing children's pampers. I'm always trying to sit on the floor. Challenges is going to converting to a changing table. Um, did you um, did you at first find yourself staying indoors more because you didn't want to be seen? No, I never faced that challenge. It was more of covering myself up. I always wanted to be covered up. I didn't want people looking at my leg. I still get that today, people looking at my leg. Um, I do wear capris. They see that I'm wrapped, you know, and I just feel that um, if they ask me, I am happy to let them know what my condition is currently. Mm. Um, but I do face a lot of challenges in life, you know, trying to kneel on the floor. I can't kneel on the floor. Um, like I said previously, I can't wear skirts. I can't wear shoes, high heels. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, you know, with Dina's help, that's my main goal is to fit into a high heel. Oh, so cool. <laughs> so what advice would you have for people living with the condition or people who, who either live with it or people who don't know they have it? Um, my suggestion would be to make sure, go to your um, primary physician. If they do not know, seek other sources. Um, I would say that they would need to make sure that they take care of it before it becomes a worse condition. Seek the help that they need to seek. Yeah. Great. And then, so what's, what's next for you in the world of getting treatment? What is... So last year's conference that I did attend, it was just the most amazing experience because I did learn a lot from every single speaker that was there. Um, we had no idea that there was possibilities of having surgery. So my husband, who is an awesome man in my life, He told me that we need to get you the help that is needed and whatever it takes, we will get it done. He started calling the insurance company and basically um, we called several uh, different um, out-of-state hospitals indicating um, that they can do the surgery, but first we needed to see if the insurance would cover it. Um, there was a hospital in Arizona that um, stated they wouldn't take our insurance. Then uh, we went to, um, spoke with somebody about the hospital in Chicago, and they said that our insurance would cover it. So we started doing um, the footwork there, and I had to get a lymphocynthiograph prior to me going to see the doctor there. And... Um, I also needed to make sure that I was a candidate, is what they stated, in order to get the surgery done. Um, when I did see that doctor, the doctor indicated that I did need to lose weight, 
Um, I have lost all the weight that I have needed to lose in order for me to get the surgery, um, which is a big success because as you know, having lymphedema, it can be difficult to lose the weight. Um, after that took place, um, we found out currently the insurance declined the request. So currently at this point, my doctor is going to go ahead and reappeal it. Once they reappeal it, I'm just hoping that um, I will be on my way to getting the surgery done. There's actually two that I have to have, which is a liposuction, and the other one would be a lymph node transfer. Got it. And what is the timeline, like upon approval of your of uh, insurance approving covering the cost of this? Like, what does the timeline look like? What is have they shared with you what the journey looks like ahead? So currently, um, she indicated she will resubmit it on Monday. She does not know um, the appeal process could take up to 15 days. And then from there, you know, if they approve it, that's great. Then getting scheduled for the surgery is the best to be on my way to a better journey um, and hoping to looking forward to a thinner leg. Yes. Yeah. So great. So what has made a difference for you in the treatment that you've been getting? Um, currently, um, I'm able to fit into my pants a lot easier in one leg. Um, it's easier for me to put on my sock. Wrapping is not so difficult, um, although it does get hot. You know, the temperature's a lot more um, hotter. Your body gets a hotter temperature once you are wrapped yeah yeah it's 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 so we were just when we were connecting earlier today it was like we're all out here it's 90 degrees july and you're wearing compression and we're all looking at okay what are we wearing you know dean (laughs) stephanie's got a, a cute little dress on and i'm wearing a skirt and you're wearing pants and like underneath all of that at 90 degrees and you've got a world of compression happening so you can imagine it's like you're going outside wearing like a parka over your winter coat it's like and it's summertime and it is it's so hot it's crazy yes it is (laughs) one thing i do want to add is that um currently with dina she does do the massage very deep Mm -hmm. that is what i need I currently had experienced um, a different therapist at a different hospital um, that the massage did not do anything for me. Um, In the time being that I have seen Dina on the seven visits, I have already lost three liters of fluid. And that is just seven visits. And um, so she does go deep within me. Um, I know that if I'm not wearing my compression um, from the morning and if I happen to miss an hour, I can feel my tightening and I need to wrap right away. Mm-hmm. So um, the best bet would be is to always make sure follows what your therapist says. Don't miss one day of compression because it could hurt you in the long run and make you gain more fluid. Yeah. And what's the process of compression? Of Do you, like, what is compression look like like wrapping versus wearing compression for those who don't really know what it what all it entails so basically um they are wraps 
and I have about eight wraps. So I wrap all the way from my foot all the way up to my thigh. And um, it takes time. So basically waking a little bit up more extra in the morning, um, you know, and doing what you need to do to get ready for your day. Um, And wearing that throughout the day versus wearing a compression garment where I do have at home where it's just um, like a garment that has Velcro. I feel that I get more of a success with my wrapping. Mm. And then too, I also got approved for the Flexi Touch. So I should be getting that here shortly. Fantastic. I have a Flexi Touch too. They're so great. And just um, like live, I live out um, four hours from Santa Fe to like come out here and be with everyone. And the only treatment that's available to me is in Santa Fe. And so the Flexi Touch is fantastic, especially with your work schedule and everything where between treatments, you can actually get the fluid that keeps moving. So really glad that you were able to get that. It's a really powerful device. It's really fantastic. So, yeah. If I could interject for a moment. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to state that Julie did start with me several years back, about five maybe years back, and we had some really good results. And then because of my schedule and her work hours, we weren't able to work with each other uh, for the last five years. So she went through a handful of other people, and unfortunately things got way worse during that time period. Um, And she just started up again. So um, I wanted to just point out that not only has she had wonderful results because she's been so compliant and she's really motivated, Um, But I also wanted to point out that the wrapping that she's going through is an important piece when you're reducing. So when you have a ton of fluid and you're trying to bring it down, that's really what we need to use, either that or a reduction kit. Once you have the leg reduced, with the combination of doing your manual lymphatic drainage or using a pump like the FlexiTouch, you should be able to get into a garment, something that's more like a stocking or a thigh high or pantyhose, something that's thinner that doesn't take so much time. But right now she's sacrificing, you know, hours of every day to reduce this leg. We wouldn't want to put her in a stocking right now that would just maintain the size she's at. That's not our goal. So I just wanted to make that clear so that everyone knows you don't have to wrap necessarily for the rest of your life. Um, Some people may need to do it occasionally, maybe once or twice a week or at night just to keep up, but it is kind of a sacrifice for reducing. Yeah. I'd also like to mention that it's really important to to see these things that could help in real life. Um, It's hard to make a judgment over the internet about a product that you've never experienced or Um, Depending on your insurance, the pump I received is for edema. That's not what I need. In fact, it made my condition worse. So the pump is, you need to know what types of pumps are out there and what will work for you, not just what your insurance is going to pay for, which may be quite wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, one of the great things about the conference is that we do, you know, have some talks about the different types. And then we also have um, compression. Last year we did a vendor spotlight where they showed us their latest, greatest. You can touch them, you can see them. Um, This year we'll be um, highlighting some of those on the fashion show. So again, you can talk to the vendors about what would be the right strength for you, um, a flat knit, a circular knit, those type of things. So it's really a good, good opportunity to get your hands on real live items. Yeah. And this is at the Everything Lymphedema Conference in October? Um, yes. What day is that? October, October 12th. It's a Saturday, and it'll be running from 8 to 315. 
Um, we are charging a small fee this year of $25, which includes lunch and refreshments. Uh, vendor tables are $55 if you'd like to have a booth there, and that would cover your lunch for two people. Um, we're filling up already. I mean, it is many months away, but I'd say we're about a third of the way there already. So if you are interested, um, go to the website, register, and we'd love to see you there. Fantastic. And we look forward to having everyone there. And um, is there anything else? All right. So thank you so much, Julie. Is there anything else that you'd like to share? Um, just always, um, like I say, do what your therapist tells you and always follow those directions. Always try to find a way because um, there are ways that you can get the help and seek the help. Um, I would also say try to find the line of clothing that you're comfortable with. Um, find your family support as well as friendship support. Um, make sure that you just always have people that are around you that feel comfortable with you and knowing what is going on within your body and also just always make sure that um, this could be hereditary so you know if you do have children you know get your children checked make sure that they don't have this underlining because um, it can be hereditary mm -hmm. great thank you so much for being here with us today julie it's really been a treat being able to speak with you and for you to share your story with us and just letting everybody know you know what it's like to live with this and that there is hope and that listening to your therapist and following that and letting your friends and family support you is so critical so thank you so much for being here with us today thank you thank you <laughs>